Hi, my name is Spencer Thutt, and you're listening to The Voice Podcast. Real quick, up top, I just want to say thank you to anybody and everybody who listens to this show. I started it on a whim last year, and while I've been pretty inconsistent with the format of the show as I figure it out and getting episodes up every month as it's difficult to write and record all by myself, it's a lot of fun to do, and it's been a good experiment, so I want to thank you all for listening and thank the grace and patience of the voice editors I have worked with uh, in order to make this a thing. You might hear in the interviews on this episode a voice that isn't mine, besides those that are being interviewed, and that's the voice of uh, Jay Meta, class of 2020, a freshman who approached me about taking over the show as I graduate this year. He's been super enthusiastic about the whole project, and the show's going to be probably better once I'm gone, so I'm super excited for him. On this episode, we take a look at Isabella Way's article on APs and what they mean for Pembroke. Jay and I interviewed several people separately, Mr. Lips, Mr. Medlock, Mr. Richardson, and Isabella herself. I also spoke to Victoria Wall about her recent review of Beyonce's new album, Lemonade. First up, APs. What are they good for? Why do we have them? What are the pros? What are the cons? Speaking to upper school history teacher Lucas Richardson, here's Jay. So what's your take on the AP system? I think there's something about kind of the, the idea behind AB, AP, the AP program that um, was good in terms of trying to add rigor at the high school level uh, and also expose high school students to potential challenges and kind of the, the rigor of a college-level class. Um, and I think it also allowed... In addition to rigor, Richardson goes on to say that the APs provide a nice parity for students. No matter what school you go to or what opportunities you have, public or private, poor or rich, you can take an AP and a college will know what to expect from that. Um, right, so like... Um, if you do well on an AP test, no matter where you come from, a college knows that you are kind of, um, academically ready for a certain type of class, right? Uh, and so it's a way to assess students in a way to kind of, um, you know, push high schools to provide more challenging, more rigorous, more, yeah, more challenging, rigorous classes to their students. Uh, and I think there's, that's a good, that, that can be a very good thing. Um, you might notice Richardson hesitate here. That's because, despite his praises, he does have some reservations about the AP system. On the flip side, I think that um, what's developed is you get um, the idea kind of, of parity has been lost a little bit because there are schools that have a lot more resources that are able to provide kind of more uh, robust and kind of uh, complete AP programs in schools in kind of under-resourced areas uh, aren't able to provide the same level of support. Um, are kind of working with students that might not have of the same cultural background or the same preparation as um, you know as high school students in other areas, and so um, the AP program I think makes it hard for them to kind of get as much out of it or kind of reach the meet the intention of the program. Although he doesn't necessarily specify what these extra resources do for students, I can guess. I would imagine Richardson is referring to the very specific rules on when students are allowed to take AP tests and the costs associated with signing up for those tests. 
For students who have restricted transportation or low-income families, it can be difficult to meet these requirements. Equal opportunity isn't the only potential issue. Even at a well-resourced school like Pembroke Hill, writer Isabella Way feels that perhaps APs aren't the best option for her academic experience. I don't really know what I would replace it with, but just going through this whole process myself, I don't like how it takes away the um, some parts of the classroom experience, like classroom discussions. We can't really have a lot of those because the teachers a lot of times are teaching to a test, so they're cramming in all of this into the curriculum in the last two weeks of the school year, and I think that we would be better off as a school without them. AP art history teacher Jason Lips agrees. While he does praise the wide variety of material that the AP covers, including lots of non-traditional European work that his own art history college courses never covered, he wishes that he could spend more time on certain works with students. There was always this need, like I feel a responsibility uh, to pr- fully prepare you guys for that test, to, you know, quote unquote, teach to the test. And so um, there is, you know, there were many works we talked about that took up class time or homework and homework time and energy that are not of great consequence, probably. And so the class could be richer if we covered less material and went deeper into the material we did cover. This breadth over depth approach is one that seems fairly common to APs and one that I mostly hear about the AP U.S. History exam, a class that uh, Richardson teaches. However, when I talked to Tom Medlock about it, who teaches AP Physics 1, he said that that isn't necessarily just limited to the humanities. It is somewhat confining even in the STEM fields, right? So like if I wanted to do more standard, you know, student project-oriented stuff or like really go with student interests and say, oh, we really want to spend another two or three weeks on waves and let's do a little bit more into sound. Like if you're interested in music or something, let's do a little integrated program where I could be creative and get together with the music department and maybe do an interdisciplinary project. You can't do that. So in that, in that sense, that is a negative. And for schools that are a little more progressive that way, it is a negative. I asked Medlock what he thought about the possibility of getting rid of the AP courses. He answered as a college counselor might, essentially saying that students fear it hurts their chances of getting into college. The approach of simply taking as many AP courses as possible at Pembroke Hill is pretty common, and it's actually one reason that Mr. Lips fears losing the AP designation for his class. We have a lot of AP courses, and there seems to be a sort of uh, ravenous appetite uh, on the part of the students to take these courses. Um, I think the advantage right now is that students, some students will take AP art history because they, you know, maybe they just want another AP credit. Um, so right now, like if I were to theoretically drop the AP from my course, uh, in the current AP saturated environment at the school, I would fear that not many students would take the class. While art history is a bit of a niche at Pembroke Hill, Physics and U.S. history are classes kids are going to have to take whether or not the courses have an AP designation, so those teachers don't have to fear so much of a student drop-off in their classes. However, both Medlock and Richardson expressed a different kind of concern, concern for their students' well-being. Students feel like they need to take as many AP classes as possible um, and then end up taking classes just for uh, the AP credit and not necessarily out of interest 
uh, they end up kind of overloading themselves to the point where they're not able to allow themselves to really get into a class and um, kind of fully engage with it because they have so much going on. I just think it's a really, every year we go through this in the advising system and it's, um, I just, my recommendation for students would just be know thyself because people get themselves in some real trouble if they're taking debate and two or three sports and science Olympiad and ballet and five or six APs. Um, And I also believe that there is a misperception that you really just have to max out as much as possible because I can just tell you with lots of concrete examples, kids do fine in the college application process not doing that. <laughs> you t- lean into your strengths, take AP Art History if that's your thing, or take AP Physics if you're that thing, if that's your thing. But if you don't feel like you're good at math, science, and physics, take regular physics. You, don't, you shouldn't feel the need to get pushed into that just because you want to go to some school. You can still get in. So I think that's an important thing for students to know. And two things that I've noticed here at Pembroke is that there are a lot of AP classes offered. Students here are very driven and very motivated to do well, uh, to achieve, and with that, um, I get the impression that many feel like they should be taking as many AP classes as possible because they're offered. And what will colleges think if they see that I've only taken a couple of AP classes when I could have challenged myself more? Shoot, I need to do this and this and this, but I'm also playing three sports and I'm in um, debate, traveling with the debate team. Uh, I'm also trying to do the play. It's a lot, and I think. The AP class, because it requires so much time and effort, um, kind of adds to a, a burden on students here that I think maybe they might be better off without. Because we do, I think, have the ability to kind of look beyond the AP to, to create our own rigor, um, but also acknowledge you know, that students have and should have lives outside of the classroom. Up next, I had a chance to talk to Victoria Wall about her review of Beyonce's latest album, Lemonade. Following the example of her 2013 self-titled release, Beyonce dropped Lemonade with an accompanying visual album and no press hype before the release. While it was initially exclusively on title, the album and its video are now available for purchase. I decided to review Lemonade first off because I thought it would be an album that a majority of the students here would at some point hear in some form or another, whether they saw this Super Bowl halftime show or not. And also just because I'm a bit of a Beyonce fan, so I thought, why not? Uh, how familiar are you with like the rest of her discography? Um, I'm a bit... I. Not an expert, certainly not, but I can say that I'm familiar with a good portion of her songs. How do you feel like this record uh, differs, either in like themes or in production from her other songs? Um, well, I think this album is far more personal than her previous ones, because I think when she was first starting out, she played to the just typical, let's make a pop song or maybe an R&B song. But I think this one had much more significant influences and it really tells through her lyrics than other albums have.
uh, and do you think that's uh, interesting specifically in, in the context of pop music? Because, you know, there are lots of uh, like confessional singer-songwriter uh, artists, especially females, who will do this kind of thing. Uh, do you think there's anything uh, interesting about Beyonce doing this compared to her other work? Um, I think it's interesting just because I know that so many people listen to her and they tend to just play off her music as just, oh, I could dance to this or something to listen to while you're, I don't know, working out or whatever. But this one, I think a lot more people should pay attention to just because you could probably get more value out of it than some of her previous songs. And where do you think that comes from? Is that lyrics? It's definitely the lyrics. It's all about the lyrics, really. Um, it's, I mean, plenty of the um, instrumentation to it is still like her other songs. It's electronic, uh, a bit artificial to an extent, but it's definitely in the lyrics this time. I think I think one thing I noticed on this album that has uh, not been present in her other records is a kind of rock influence, like, especially on the yeah. song uh, Don't Hurt Yourself. Yeah, Jack White yeah. in there. <laughs> Jack White production. Recently, I think there's a lot of interesting guests on this record. You got Kendrick Lamar on a track. You got James Blake on a track. How do you feel about the the guests on this record? What do you think they contribute? And what do you what do you think their presence adds or detracts? I think well, in the Jack White case, it might have detracted a little bit just because I don't think many of her listeners would. I wouldn't. I don't want to say like approve of it, but maybe not or not used to it. But I will say that like the weekend, and then I know Diplo had some influence in this. I know that that's like what her listeners uh, like. And so I think in most cases it did add to the album as a whole. You got anything you want to add? Anything you want people to know about the record before they listen to it? Um, I think that if you're going to listen to the whole album, sit there and actually focus on the lyrics, don't make it something that's in addition to busy work or that'll be playing in the background because you won't get the full effect of it. So I think you should actually listen in on what she's saying if you're going to choose to listen to the entire thing. All right. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Keep on running cause the winner don't quit on themselves. That's all for this episode. Like I mentioned earlier, freshman Jay Meta is kind enough to take over the show next year. So I grabbed him and had him do the outro with me. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing alright. I'm excited to have you taking over the show. It was fun having you hop out. What made you want to take over the podcast? Well, I'm a bit of an NPR nerd, um, and I love editing things, and I, I like working with sound, um, but I also wanted to work with the voice, so this seemed like a perfect marriage of those things. Yeah, yeah. Well, nice. We're excited to have you. You did a good job. Thank you. <laughs> You're going to do great next year. Uh, you want to do the fun last part of the show with me? Sure. I'll do that part. Okay. So, big thanks to Isabella Way, Mr. Richardson, Mr. Medlock, and Mr. Lips for speaking to us on this episode. Thank you to Victoria Wall for speaking to me about her album review of Beyonce's Lemonade. And thanks to you for listening. My name is Spencer Thett. And I'm Jay Mehta. And this has been The Voice Podcast.
and thank you for watching. Bad job. <laughs> I did a bad job. <laughs> and thanks to you for watching. <laughs> <laughs> watching. Um, this is like, okay. It's this is. I'm, I know, I can't read. My glasses suck. Wait, we're gonna move this close. Okay. You ready? Uh, sure, I'm ready. Take it away. Big thanks to Isabella Way. <laughs> Let's get back.